All right. Good morning. Thank you guys for being here today. Um, I'm going to open us up in in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get started. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I am. You were with us there in worship this morning. I, I, I just I sensed your presence, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that you you're not some dead stone or wooden god, but that you are a living God. That you lived your life here on earth and you walked through the dirt and the dust of this earth. And that when you died, death couldn't hold you, but you were resurrected and you live again. And Lord, it says that you're seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for each and every one of us. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what you did for us and who you are. And Lord, we thank you that you, Father, are a good, good Father. And that you love us. Amen. Um, So we're going through a series this month on um, uh, Jesus' admonition to us and Paul's encouragement to us um, to remember those in need. And I'm going to talk a little bit this morning. This is not simply a financial thing. A lot of times when we hear the word poor, we think purely about finances. And it's not just finances. Um, I'm going to touch on that, but that's not the the bulk of what I'm going to discuss this morning. And um, I'm going to actually spend a lot of time in the Old Testament A lot of times we think, oh, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus was this, you know, guy that really talked a lot about the poor. And, you know, he talked to the rich young ruler. I'm not going into that scripture this morning, but he talked to the rich young ruler about give up all your possessions and follow me. Um, Jesus over and over said that he only did what it was that he saw the father doing. That he was our, our greatest reflection of who the father is. And all throughout the Old Testament... God encourages us to remember those in need and to not let those who um, who we encounter and who we know that need us not to ignore them. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump right in here. And I mean, how we're starting off may be a little bit of a, of a surprise, but I want to talk about this. So there was a psychologist by the name of Maslow. And... There's Maslow came up with this thing called the hierarchy of needs. A lot of times as Christians, we're like, well, we need to tell them about Jesus. Like that's more important than their safety. That's more important than them having food. That's more important than any relationships they might have. We just need to tell them about Jesus and they'll be okay. Here's the thing. And I, um, for those of you who don't know me, sorry, I should have introduced myself. Uh, I'm Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, however, my, my, my day gig is I work at Sela Middle School uh, over in the little burg of Sela over there. And um, one of the things we talk about a lot in education is that if a kid doesn't feel safe, if a student doesn't feel security, whether it be food or home or maybe they um, have violence in their home, or maybe one of their parents is in jail and they only see them every three years. You know, all these different types of insecurity, whether it be relational or food insecurity or housing insecurity, all these different things. To, to reach these upper levels where we can really be spiritual beings, where we can really 
encounter God in a deep and significant way, if we feel really insecure on these lower levels, it's really hard to get to that place. Because like, if I'm afraid for my life, I may throw out a quick, you know, um, there's that old saying that there's no atheists in a foxhole, right? Has anybody ever heard that? Like, in the midst of war, there are no atheists. Everybody's like, oh, God, please save me, right? So you might have that kind of faith, right, where you're crying out like, Jesus, help. Everything's horrible. Please help me. Um, but to reach that point where you start having an intimate relationship with God when you're close to the Father, where, where you pray and you can, you can just sense God's response. In the midst of fear, in the midst of panic, in the midst of high levels of emotional angst and anxiety, it's really hard for that to happen. Now, I'm not saying, please hear this, I'm not saying that God can't break through because he absolutely 100% can. And I believe that. I believe that. But for long term, like over the course of days, months, years, if you're in a constant state of, of angst and anxiety and panic and insecurity, it's really hard to hit that, that place where we're, we're hearing God and we're able to express what it is that God's calling us to. Does that make sense? And so for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that just like Jesus did, right, when he fed the 5,000 so that they could hear his word, just like Jesus did, that we're taking care of, that we're bringing God's restoration, that we're bringing God's redemption to the whole person. Body, mind, spirit, soul, all of God wants to redeem all things. He wants to redeem every aspect of who and what we are. He wants to redeem our relationships, which is one of the main points I'm going to have this morning of talking about relationship insecurity, which is a really big deal. So let's jump in here. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8 and 10 through 11. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need. Whatever he needs, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. I love that, that last little bit. Your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. All right, God, you said I'm supposed to do the thing, so I guess I'll do the thing. You know, uh, there's another scripture that says that God loves a cheerful giver. And they're not talking about tithing. Not that tithing's bad. Tithing's good. It keeps this roof over our heads and keeps the place warm, right? I'm not anti-tithing. But this isn't what this is talking about. This is talking about giving. This is talking about caring for others. This is talking about responding to those in need. Um, my friend Aaron and I were having a conversation a couple weeks ago about just this, not thinking that I was going to be teaching on this a few weeks later, but, like, is... Is my reflex to seeing someone in need to help? It, it should be, right? As a follower of Jesus, my, my reflex, my reflexive action should be to do something about that if I see somebody hurting, right? But oftentimes we analyze it first, right? We like assess it. It's like, well, let's see. 
we got $400 less this month than we normally do. And I've got this car payment coming up. And I know this little gal, this little old lady in front of me, she can't quite like pay for all of her groceries, but you know, I, I need to pay for my car. And I'm not saying that paying for our bills is bad, so please don't hear that. But my first reflex should be, how, how can I help her? And I'm sharing this particular story because this actually happened to me in the grocery store with this little older gal in front of me who couldn't quite pay for all her groceries. And I had a choice in that moment, right? I had a choice. I'm not going to tell you what I did, one way or the other. But I am going to tell you what our reflex should be. Our reflex should be to step up and help if we can, if we're able to. That should be our response. According to Scripture, not Dusty. This isn't me telling you to do this. According to the Word of God. Because for this thing, as we continue on here, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all which you put your hand to. For the poor will never cease from the land. We will always have people who are poor. Therefore I command you, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, and to your needy in your land. This is one of those things where God like says, if, if you do this, if you function in this way, if you live in this manner, I will give you a blessing. That's not everything in Scripture, but this is. Like there are some things God just commands us to do because we're like he commands us to do it because he's our Lord and he's our God. So you do that. This actually has this caveat attached to it of if you will bless others, I will bless you. And I can speak from personal experience that there is a blessing in blessing others, that there is in serving people, that there is... There is a blessing from God. There is a fulfillment from God in, in spending yourself on other people and not just on yourself that can't be matched by anything else. There just is. I can't explain it. I can't quantify it. I don't know how to like, like do you know a flow chart of how that works. I just can't. I just know it's a spiritual reality, and I know it in my own life. I can just speak to it for me. Nelson Mandela said this. Like slavery and apartheid, Poverty is not natural. It is man-made, and it can be overcome and eradicated by the actions of human beings. Overcoming poverty is not simply a gesture of charity. It's an act of justice. And God, as we understand from Scripture, is a God of justice, which is why I think he talks about this so much in the Bible. This isn't like, you know how, guys, there's like some stuff in the Bible where you're like, well... I don't know what God really means by this. Or, you know, Scripture's not totally clear on this point. Or, like, let's debate this point of theology. I mean, I, you know, when I was in Bible college and stuff, we would, we would have, like, these conversations about, you know, certain points of theology. This one's actually not very vague <laughs> as far as caring for others. This is not one of the vague points of theology in Scripture. In Psalms, it says this, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in times of trouble. It appears helping the poor would bring a blessing to those who do. As I said previously, in Psalms we see the Lord promises his assistance to those who do remember the poor. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, 
but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The word reproach means to address someone in a way to express disapproval, disappointment. Um, I don't know if anyone else has the courage like, like I do sometimes. Every once in a while, I don't know that it's smart, and I don't even know that it's good for my soul. So I'm going to put that like as the front to my next statement. Every once in a while, I'll go on online or on Facebook and like go into these like community forums, um, like with local news and stuff, and see what people are saying. And if you ever want to get a glimpse of the ugliness of humanity, like go onto one of those things and start reading people's comments. It's pretty ugly. And I don't know why I do it, but I mean, I think part of it is almost like, you know, like, have you ever noticed when you're driving on the freeway and suddenly there's this big slowdown and there's like miles of, like you're driving over Snoqualmie Pass, and there's like miles of cars, right? And then you finally pull up and it's like, oh, well, there was an accident, so everybody's slowing down to take a look. It's kind of like that. Like I go into these boards and these things where people are talking about stuff and I'm like, like looking at the train car crash, right? This is, you know, and a lot of times people of faith, people who, who say that they follow Jesus are some of the ugliest people on there. And it always, like, grieves my soul. It, it always hurts me because, because I know what Scripture says. <laughs> He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. So disapproval, disappointment, reprimanding people for being poor, rebuking people for being poor, chiding people for being poor, all of these kind of things, God's against that. So if that's something you do, don't. Like, like stop. Right? Just stop. Because that's not the heart of God. Jesus reflected this. Uh, if you go into Matthew 25, at the seat of judgment, what is it he judges people on? And I know one of the other folks are going to be teaching on this on another week, but he judges the righteous and the unrighteous by whether they visited him in prison, whether they gave him clothes to wear, whether they fed him, whether they gave him water. That's where the judgment happens between the righteous and the unrighteous, the left and the right of the throne room of God. Yikes. I know this is kind of a heavy message this morning. Um, but sometimes, sometimes God has to do a corrective action. Sometimes God has to change our hearts. And I know for me this has been a long process. Continuing on. Now that we have a baseline understanding as to how we're re to respond to poverty, I'd like for us to explore a little bit about what poverty is. It's not simply a lack of means or money. It's more than that. However, financial poverty is one glaring example that's easy to see all around us. Just went and found just a couple charts of statistics. So that bottom row, there, that bottom row, is the bottom 90% of wages in the U.S., and then this is the top 1%, and then this is the top 0.1%. And if you look from 1979 to 2017, which is when this chart was made, this bottom 90% is pretty flat as far as wages. And you can see this is spikes up and down. Now, I'd like to say this, something else I'd like to point out. 
This is irregardless as whether it's to a Republican or a Democratic administration. This is not a political statement I'm making. This is simply a reality of economics. This is from the Economic Policy Institute of the United States. This isn't some, like, you know, whatever leaning you want to have. This is just data. It's math. It's really hard to, like, say, well, you're, you have a bad opinion. No, this isn't an opinion. This is just, this is just statistics. It's data. It's math. And looking at that chart, it's a little crazy, right? Like the disparity. And again, it doesn't matter what administration it was. This is from 79 on. So this was Republican and Democratic administrations, right? So I'm not picking on anyone like, this is just how we function as a society. And so we, it's just something to be aware of. It's something for us to recognize. This next one kind of blew my mind a little bit. So three men in the United States have as much wealth as the bottom 50% of the whole country. So Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, who, big shock there, right? And Warren Buffett. By the way, Jeff Bezos is the one who owns Amazon and started Amazon. Bill Gates, most people know. And Warren Buffett's a real estate developer. It started in New York. But those, just those three individuals have as much wealth as the whole bottom 50% of the entirety of the United States. So that's like an amazing thing, right? Like, and I know that some of them, like Bill Gates, for instance, he he's, has a stated goal of giving away 98% of all of his wealth before he dies. So that's admirable, right? He started the Gates Foundation. I know, happen to know, because my son actually did a, did a report on the... Um, Gates Foundation when he was in, in high school, and like just the Gates Foundation alone has diminished by 60% um, uh, death in third world countries due to malaria. Just their organization alone has done that. So good things can be done, um, but three individuals having as much financial resources as 50% of the, the country, that's a little, I don't know, seems a little skewed to me, but maybe that's just me. Um, so going back to this, needs, right? Food, water, warmth, rest. Security and safety. Belongingness and love needs. So these are kind of what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on this morning. So there's different kinds of poverty. Safety poverty. Do I feel safe in my home? I had a student um, a couple years ago who... Um, he just wanted to hang out at school all the time because when he went home, it wasn't safe. Um, parents did a lot of drugs. Both of them were addicted. Um, sometimes it would, the addiction would move into violence against him. Um, and, you know, he, he'd sometimes get in trouble because it's like an hour after school ends and he's still there because he just didn't want to go home because he was going to get beat. So he didn't feel safe. There was no safety there. Um, I had another student some years ago who he would always, um, I was just telling somebody the story yesterday, um, he would always get like, um, uh, schools always have carrot sticks. I don't know why. There's always baby carrots like in the school, like the, the line. There's always baby carrots, which I dig baby carrots, so it's kind of cool. But he would always grab handfuls of them and put them in his jacket. And some of, some of the folks would like get upset at him and like rail on him and 
So I finally decided, okay, you know, he's getting nailed for this all the time. I needed to ask him why he's doing this, right? Um, and so he told me that, you know, a lot of times he goes home and um, his little brother doesn't, they just get a school lunch that's like, it's not a bar, you know, it's just, here's your lunch. Um, and so his little brother wouldn't always have food when they got home. And so he was taking carrot sticks for his little brother. So his little brother would have something to eat at home because his folks would spend it on other stuff. Um, food safety. He didn't have it. Relationship. Um, there's a form of poverty in relationship. Do I have anybody to love me? Does anybody really care? Um, if you've ever walked in a nursing home, spend any time there. There are people there who don't have anybody. They don't have family anymore. Are their families uninterested in them? Um, they have the staff there, but, you know, in the most nursing homes, there's a ton of turnover in staff. And so getting too attached to any one person is a risky business. And that's a form of poverty. That's relational poverty. Just that one little instance. There's many others. Um, you know, I, I know I'm blessed with lots of friends and lots of family and people who care about me. And if anything ever happened, you know, financially or anything ever happened physically, I have people who I know would help take care of me. That can't be said for everyone. In fact, most people who you see on the streets, all they have is each other. And there's no safety net. There's no security system. And that's a form of poverty. Spiritual poverty. So many people have no hope. They live in hopelessness every day. Like, I'm just worm food. I have this, and then there's nothing. And that's a form of poverty, too. They have no, no one to turn to. Like it, I, I can't tell you the number of times when I've just been in trouble and I've been at my wit's end and I had a God to cry out to. And I can't imagine not having Jesus. I can't imagine not having God. I can't imagine living in a world where it was just me. It was all about me. Like I just, I can't imagine that. Like, like that world would just be such a, a dark world. And that's a form of poverty. So let's jump in. Safety poverty. Isaiah says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Psalms 34, 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. There's some hope here. I, I love the particularly the verse in Psalms, because that's King David talking about that, right? Like he wrote that in the midst of Saul hunting him with a spear and trying to track him down and take him out. And what does David say? David says, I might have many troubles, but the Lord will deliver me. We can have hope that God can keep us safe. We can have hope. Going back to this, safety needs. We have to feel safe. Lack of safety is poverty. 
Lack of safety is poverty. Relational poverty. Mother Teresa said this, and I love this quote. The greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It's being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. I think it's an incredible statement. There are, I have people close to me who have all the means in the world, have way more money than I do, have way more resources than I do, have way more stuff, nicer stuff, better stuff, lots more. They're so relationally poor. Their world is so small. There are so few people that they have that love them and care for them and would go out of their way for them. And if, personally, for me, if I was going to choose a form of poverty, like, I'll, I'll, I'll take being financially poor over relationally poor every day of the week. Like, feeling love, having people who care for me, that's way more important to me than a 20 in my wallet or a 50 or a 100 or what have you. That's way more important to me that I know I have people who love me and care for me and that will be there for me. And in the West, in our Western culture, this is so rampant. Feeling unwanted, feeling unloved, feeling uncared for. It's why our suicide rate is so much higher than the rest of the world. We can have all of the things and still feel empty inside. That's why we need the church. That's why we need each other. And above all, that's why we need Jesus Christ. That relationship with God. Because if nothing else, Jesus loves us. I know God loves me. It says that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. That he will be with me always, even to the very end of the age, he promises. So at least I've got Jesus. Relational poverty. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. 1 John 4. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for the procreation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. I love that last sentence. Did you know that God's love is vast and deep? As an, an amazing as it is, can stand on its, lo- on its own, right? But it is perfected through us sharing that love with the world and with each other. God's love becomes made perfect through you. Through you sharing it. 
and bringing healing and hope to those around you. How amazing is that? I, I remember, I'm, I'm going to mess up this quote, but it just kind of came to me that um, Donald Miller made this quote once talking about how the same God that created the mountains and the heavens and the earth and created all of creation decided that he needed one of you too. Like he decided he needed you. The same God that created Mount Rainier, if you've ever been up to paradise in that area and seen the gloriousness of creation, the same God who made that decided he needed you too. And he decided to create one of you as well. That's how amazing you are. That's how incredible you are. God's love is expressed through you. Philippians, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Going back to this. In the area of psychological needs and esteem, right? Intimate friendships, friends, feelings of accomplishment, knowing that people love me and care for me, relational poverty. That's something God cares about. Spiritual poverty. So God says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These aren't the first words you would expect to hear out of Jesus' mouth as he starts the Sermon on the Mount. But the context Jesus is talking about here is about being empty and ready to receive his truth. So my spirit is empty to receive the Spirit of God. It's recognizing our inability to buy, earn, or deserve spiritual blessing. That without the intervention of another, namely Jesus, we really do have nothing. We are, we are poor. We have nothing without Christ. So what might spiritual health or wealth look like? And I thought we'd go to Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. What does spiritual wealth look like? Can you look in the mirror? And I'll just put myself in here. Dusty is love. Dusty is joyful. Dusty has peace. Dusty has patience. Dusty has kindness. Dusty has goodness. Dusty has faithfulness. Dusty has gentleness. Dusty has self-control. Like if I'm going through that list and any of those things aren't ringing true, then I'm poor. I'm spiritually poor in that area. And so I need to work on that. I need to do something about that. I need to start gaining some spiritual wealth so that I'm not poor spiritually in that area, whatever it might be. What every one of those might be.
Guys, I think kind of what I, what I wanted to end with on this is, is kind of this thought. Do you have eyes? And do you have a heart to see those around you who are in lack, who are in need, whether it be financial, whether it be relational, whether it be spiritual, whether they're not safe? And what is God this morning calling you to do about it? If as I was talking this morning, any of these things were stirring something inside of you, I want to encourage you not to ignore that. I want you to encourage you to sit with that. I want to encourage you to consider what it is, whether it was something regarding relationships and people being lonely, or whether it was regarding someone's personal safety. Um, super quick aside story with safety. My mom used to have a job working for the prosecuting attorney, and she would um, be a companion to kids um, who had to go to court and testify against people. And so she was a friendly adult who would go alongside them and go with them so that they could go to court. It started out as a volunteer position, and then it ended up being, they brought her on like in a paid position. But like, she saw a need. She, she saw that there were these kids who were having to go like in front of a judge and court reporters and, you know, there's attorneys and there's police officers. And how scary is that for a little kid, right? And so she would just go with them and be someone to help them and encourage them and be there for them because they didn't feel safe. So if you were to do something regarding someone's safety, you know, there's that type of thing. You could, I mean, that's just, I'm wanting to give an example. You know, with the loneliness, I mentioned the nursing homes. I, I'm going to be super transparent. Um, the last couple of years of my grandma's life, she was in a nursing home. And um, it... Uh, I'm stopping myself from being emotional, so just give me a second. Um, it hurt every time I walked in. And not just for her. I mean, although that sucked. Like, the situation she in was horrible. Because um, she had lost a lot of who she was. She just wasn't really herself anymore. Um, I saw so many others that didn't have a grandson or kids to come visit. They were just alone, and all they had was the staff who were paid to be up with them. Nobody coming to them just because they loved them and cared about them. And it, uh, like it just every time I walk in the door, it would break my heart. Um, there are opportunities for us as followers of Jesus to be the hands and feet of God and to help that poverty of relationship. Spiritual poverty. Talked a little bit about that. What are some things I could do to help my and other spiritual poverty? We talked about home groups earlier, like hanging out with other Christians and praying for each other and listening to each other's stories, and just letting them know that, hey, I care about you, can we pray for you? Like, that helps 
cure the ill, the societal ill of spiritual poverty. Um, I've mentioned probably more than once, you know, being with a coworker at work and sitting in the lunchroom and they're struggling with something. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, hey, can I just pray for you? I've had people pray for me. Like say, hey, you know, I, I have this one co- coworker. She wouldn't care if I shared her name. Name's Susie. Um, she's a Christian. We know each other, you know, followers of Christ. And I had injured my shoulder. And we're in the middle of the copy room, which is a pretty busy place. People, you know, I don't know if you guys know this a lot, but schools use lots of paper. Less than they used to, but still a lot. Anyway, copy room is a pretty busy place. And so I was there making copies. And um, she was asking me how my shoulder was doing. I told her, you know, still I'm having some trouble with it. She's like, well, can I pray for you? I was like, here? She's like, yeah, let's just pray. I'm like, mm. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> and so we prayed for like five minutes and some people came in and out. And one gal had to like come in and get her copies because she had to rush back to class and didn't have much time. You know, teachers get about five minutes to go to the bathroom and or pick up papers. And sometimes they try to fit both of those things in. <laughs> it's funny. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, they, so they were brushing past me, and like we're standing there in the middle of the copy room praying. I had a spiritual need, and she responded to it, and I was no longer spiritual, spiritually poor in that moment. And so that's something that we can do too, right? I'm just wanted to give like a few little examples of, of some various things we can do. God cares about this. God has a heart to respond to people who are in need, whatever that need may be. And so I'm going to pray in a moment, and then we're going to take communion. Um, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me this morning that this, that there are some of you in here this morning, today, that you're, um, as, I, as I spoke this morning, that God was stirring up something inside of you. And that he would anchor that, that he would fix that, that it would be like, a really Holy Spirit, God-breathed, beneficial fish hook in your little fishy mouth that's really hard to get out because it's got that little God barb at the end, right? But that he wants you to do something about this this morning. So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, if you were stirring something in our heart this morning, if there was one of these things that I talked about or one of these examples, Lord From your scripture, we know what our response is to be. Lord, would you give us the strength and the bravery and the courage and the determination, Lord God, to act on what it is that you're stirring inside of us this morning? God, would you give us the tenacity to not just let it go and to ignore what you're speaking to us this morning, God? Lord Jesus, as we go to take communion this morning, in light of everything that you did for us on the cross, Lord, that you literally, you saw that we were poor in our relationship with God the Father. And you took steps. You took steps, God. You paid, it says in Scripture, that you paid our price that we were poor in our relationship with the Father because of our sin. And Jesus, you paid the price 
you bought our groceries, God, that we couldn't afford for ourselves so that we could be sustained. Jesus, this morning, we, we honor that sacrifice, Lord God. Jesus, we honor what it is you did for us on the cross. Lord, you asked us that we would take the bread and, and we use juice and take the juice and that, that we would remember all that you did for us on the cross, Jesus. So, Lord, I ask that you would bless the elements of communion this morning, Lord God. Lord, would you bless the bread? Would you bless the bread? Would you bless the fruit of the vine, Lord God? Lord, that we're going to take these things in remembrance of you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, if I could get everybody to stand. Um, Steve, could you just put something chill on maybe for me? Or not? That's okay. Um, <laughs> um, how we do communion here at the vineyard is we take a little piece of bread and we just dip it in the juice and then we're going to hold on to it and we'll take communion together. Um, so, and if you happen to have a gluten intolerance, uh, we have provided some gluten-free bread over here, just like they did at the Last Supper, um, right over here for you to get, <laughs> see if you got that, <laughs> right over here on the right-hand side. So uh, go ahead and, and come forward and uh, get your communion. Um, I felt like I was supposed to end today just um, by praying a blessing over you guys.
Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be faithful to what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to do. So, um, If you feel comfortable, uh, just bow your heads and kind of put your, um, put your hands out, kind of like in a you know, receiving uh, kind of an attitude. Sometimes um, it helps us to do something physical um, in response to something God's doing. Um, and I'm, I'm going to uh, just go ahead and pray this over you. Lord Jesus, would you come? Lord, there, uh, the words to that, that worship song uh, come to mind. Um, break my heart with your love. So, Lord, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, Lord, I pray a blessing over the Yakima Vineyard. Lord, would you break our hearts with your love? Lord, would you change us? Lord, where our hearts have become hardened, where our attitudes have become calloused, Lord, would you make us soft again? Um, just as I was praying that, I got this picture. Um, uh, sorry, I wasn't intending to do this, but it was just something God was showing me. Um, I used to ride horses a lot growing up, and one of the things you had to do um, to keep leather um, so that it was usable is you needed to, like, oil it, and you needed to, like, bend it, and then you oil it, and then you bend it. And you had to, like, work that into there. Um, and the picture I got in my head was um, of this leather, and it was all cracked. And, like, because leather, if it gets too dry, it'll literally crack and, like, it's weird. Leather will splinter, like the leather actually splinters. And I got this picture, um, and I don't know if it's for a specific person or for a couple of you, of like this hand with like, a, like it was like Jesus's nail scarred hand, okay? And he was like working this oil into this piece of leather, and he was making it supple again. And he was making it um, so that it wasn't all cracked anymore. And he was he was making this leather so that it was flexible so that this leather was flexible and it wouldn't just break and it wouldn't just splinter. Um, so I'm going to just stop here real quick and I'm going to pray into that. Um, Lord, for someone here this morning, just uh, again, if, if this is um, for you, I just encourage you to kind of put your hands out to receive this from God. Lord, I, would you pour your oil on us this morning? Lord, where we have become dry where we have become brittle, where we have become, um, Lord, unusable by you. Lord, would you, would you work the oil, Lord, of your love, of your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you work your oil into that leather, Lord God, into that strap that is us, Lord Jesus? Would you work your oil into that, God? And Lord, would you make us usable again? Would you make us usable again, Jesus? Lord, we want, we want to hear your voice and respond, God. Lord, we want you to truly be Lord. We just thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for that healing. Lord, that that is a healing of our, of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Um, I'm going to continue with what I was doing earlier. Sometimes God sidetracks us. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to finish praying this blessing over you guys. Um, so, Lord, um, I just I bless this vineyard family, Lord Jesus. Lord, would you bless us uh, with hearts that see those in need around us, Lord God. Lord, that every aspect of poverty we encounter, um, Jesus, Lord, that you would you would move us, that you would motivate us, Lord God. Lord, that you would put your spurs to our flanks, Lord Jesus, and help us to respond um, to those in need around us. Whatever form of poverty it may be that we're encountering, Jesus, would you let us not ignore it? But instead, Lord God, would you move us, would you drive us to act, to bring your kingdom, the kingdom of God Almighty, to bear on those situations, Jesus. So, Lord, I ask also, Lord, would you bless each one here who chooses to hear your voice and respond? Lord, would you bless them with every single thing that is they need to do your work, God? Lord, would you equip us, Jesus? Would you equip us this morning, Lord God, that when you speak and when you motivate us and when you stir our hearts, Lord God, that you would equip us with every single thing that we need, Lord Jesus, to respond to that and to bring your kingdom to this world, Jesus. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted up. We want the name of Jesus to be known, to be famous throughout the Yakima Valley and beyond, Lord God. So would your name be lifted up through us, Jesus? Lord, break our heart with your love, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, Again, the men's retreat is next weekend, so some of us dudes may not be here. Um, I also want kind of to give you guys a little teaser. Um, For uh, November, we're going to be doing a series called Stories from the Vineyard, and I'm not preaching the whole month. Um, instead, we have people um, in the, from our body, from our congregation, a different person's going to be teaching each week and kind of sharing.